Our Old Testament readings from Genesis chapter 18, verses 20 to 33. Then the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and in their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. So the men turned from there and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood before the Lord. Then Abraham drew near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are fifty righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the fifty righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be it that from you shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom fifty righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Abraham answered and said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord, I who am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the fifty righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find forty-five there. Again he spoke to him and said, Suppose forty are found there. He answered, For the sake of the forty, I will not do it. Then he said, Oh, let, the, let, the, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Suppose thirty are found there. He answered, I will not do it if I find thirty there. He said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose twenty are found there. He answered, For the sake of twenty, I will not destroy it. Then he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak again but this once. Suppose ten are found there. He answered, For the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way, and when he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Our epistle readings from Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. Have Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the same of Jesus Christ every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 11th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now Jesus is praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. 
Yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if a son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the gospel of the Lord. Let's get to Philippians 2, 9 through 11. So the reading, uh, 5 through 11 is the reading. We, we talked about 5 through 8 last week. And this week, let's talk about 9 through 11. It starts off with the word, therefore. Therefore, uh, should connect us back to verses 5 through 8, right? Uh, Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death on the cross. Therefore, God's highly exalted him and given him a name above every name. So it's not, that therefore is extremely important. Jesus humbled himself and suffered. Therefore, God highly exalted. It is not the case that Jesus humbled himself and suffered. And in spite of that, God exalted him. Jesus humbling himself and dying is organically connected with Jesus being exalted. And that's, that's kind of the point that Paul's been making all the way through Philippians 1 through 2, is that the suffering of Jesus is directly related to the glory of Jesus. Therefore, the suffering of the Christian church, your suffering as an individual Christian, will be organically related to your future glory. It is not you're suffering now, you have to humble yourself now, but in spite of that, Later on, God will glorify you. you no, know, because of that, right? So, how does He do this? How does He glorify uh, His Son? Uh, because of the suffering, God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name. God's highly exalted Jesus and given Him this name that's above every name. Now, let me make a comment real quick here, because uh, there are some uh, groups, and I'm thinking of the Jehovah's Witnesses who would say that this, this seems to indicate that Jesus wasn't God, but because he suffered and died and rose from the dead, then God, the real God, Jehovah, named him sort of a co-God. He made him like a secondary God underneath of him. Jesus suffers and dies, and so the God bestows on him the name that's above every name. But first of all, we know that this isn't the case because uh, in verse 6, if I can t- t- have, you, have you look back at verse 6 again. Jesus, before he was even born on that first Christmas, is already God. Jesus is in the form of God, verse 6 says. Remember what that word form means? It, it means category. Jesus is in the status of God. Jesus is, his category prior to, prior to his birth is God. Anyway, you and me, we don't have a prior to our birth. You know, you don't exist until your mom and dad conceive you, right? Jesus, though, is different. Before he was conceived in Mary's womb, he already had this existence back before that. And the name of that existence was eternal God. He was already in the category of God. But he emptied himself, took upon himself the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of human flesh, verses 7, 8, and say, 7, 8, say, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death on the cross. Therefore... God's highly exalted him. Look, look, at, look, look at that story, how it goes. Or not, I don't know how to, if to do this right to left or left to right. Jesus is highly exalted. 
preexistent. He is with God. He is God, John 1, 1 says. But in order to save us, he takes upon himself the form of a slave and becomes one of us. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. God is not giving him something new. God is giving him back something that he had before all time. And that is the prerequisites of glory. Honor. He makes himself a slave to the Roman Empire, a slave to the whims of his culture, and then God gives him back all the prerogatives of of, of royalty. God names him the name above all names. And not, not just glory, but especially in this text. He gives him authority. See, Jesus has to bow down, right? I mean, Jesus is forced by Caesar to bow down to Caesar and get crucified. But now, because he was crucified and risen from the dead, now Caesar's going to bow down to him. Every knee on earth, above earth, under the earth, is going to bow down and confess that Jesus is Lord. So this is the story that this is telling, is this trajectory from glory to slavehood, humility, and then back to glory, where God bestows on him the name that's above every name. Let's talk about this real quick. What is the name that God bestows on him? The name that's above every name. Well, here in the text, it's a couple things. It's the name of Jesus, right? Verse 10. God, God highly exalts him, bestows on him the name that's above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's the second name he gets is Lord. I know Messiah is in there. Christ is in there. Does anybody know what the word, uh, the name Jesus means? The, the name Jesus is, it's a Hebrew name. Jesus is Greek. It just means the Lord will save. It's a Hebrew name that means the Lord will save. And in fact, Jesus' name is super common in uh, first century Judaism. Like I said, it's, it's the Greek form of a Hebrew name. Do you know how, have I, have I told you guys this before? Do you know how like, uh, so Peter is, uh, that, that's a name that is in English, but it, Pedro is the Spanish version of Peter, right? Pierre is the French version of Peter. Jesus is a Greek name that is the Greek version of the Hebrew name Joshua. Jesus' name, is his friends would have just called him Joshua, right? In Greek, it ends up looking like Jesus, but his name is just Joshua. It means the Lord will save. You guys remember in Matthew chapter 1 where the angel comes to, to Joseph and says, uh, Mary, your fiancé, is going to have a baby and his name's going to be Jesus because he will save his people from their sins? It's because his name means the Lord will save. Now, every other guy that's got the name Joshua in the first century, every other guy's got the name Joshua. Now, their name points outside of themselves. Let's say my name is Joshua and I'm a first century Jew. My name is a constant reminder to me and to people who think about what names mean, which they did, that the Lord is going to save. It doesn't have anything to do with me. I'm just a guy, right? But my name is kind of preaching a little sermon all the time. And it's saying to everybody who says my name or knows my name or thinks about my name, his name means the Lord will save. Now, Jesus' name means that too. The Lord will save. The surprising fact about Jesus, though, is that it doesn't point, his name doesn't point outside of himself. His name is self-referential. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven under the, under the earth, on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that the one whose name means the Lord will save is actually the Lord who is going to be doing the saving. Paul's uh, 
quoting a text here from Isaiah chapter 45. Let me read this to you. And I want you to pay close attention. It's in Isaiah 45. In Isaiah 45, Isaiah is is prophesying, and God, in Isaiah 45, is calling all the pagan nations in front of him, in a courtroom, and he's going to say, make an account of yourself. Why have you not worshipped me? That's what he says. Declare, God says to the nations, declare and present your case. Let them all take counsel together. Who told this long ago? Who declared it of old? Who, Who was able to prophesy the redemption of all things? Was it not I, the Lord? And there is no other God besides me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none besides me. I'm the only God. Turn to me. And so here's what he says. Here's the message. Is quit trying to do things on your own. Turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn. From my mouth has gone out in righteousness a word that shall not return. Now here's the word that's gone out from the mouth of the Lord in righteousness. Here's here's what Isaiah 45, verse 23 says. To me, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess to God. That's what Paul quotes in Philippians 2. To me, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to God. Only in the Lord it shall be said of me our righteousness and strength. To him shall come and be ashamed all who were incensed against him. In the Lord, all the offspring of Israel shall be justified and shall glory. Now, Paul takes this text which is about Yahweh, the creator God. And he's saying, there's nobody else. Turn to me, all you ends of the earth, and be safe, for there's none other like me. He takes that language, and he plugs it into Jesus. And he says, you know who it is? Okay, you, you all agree, you, you God-fearing Jews and Christians, you've studied Isaiah here in Philippi, you all agree from Isaiah 45 that every knee is going to bow to God someday. You know who it's actually going to bow to? Every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I know Isaiah 45 says that I'm the Lord and there's no other. You know who that is talking, Paul says? That's Jesus Christ talking. Jesus Christ actually is Lord. He humiliates himself. He takes upon himself the form of a servant, allows himself to be lynched for the crimes of others. And he does this all as the Lord of the universe. He does this all as the one who reigns supreme over all things. As the Roman soldiers are hammering the spikes into his hands, he himself is willing their hearts to keep beating. He himself is keeping the atoms from that wood that he's being nailed to consisting together. He is the eternal Lord of the universe, and he is vindicated as Lord because of the suffering. He doesn't rise above the suffering. He rises in the midst of that suffering to be exalted as Lord. And now he does this, last line of verse 11, to the glory of God the Father. So that God the Father, Paul's not, saying that there's, Paul's not saying that there's only one person in the Trinity. There's a distinction between God the Father and God the Son. But they are working together to write this story for the glory of God the Father. Why is God the Father writing this story where his own son becomes a human and allows himself to be slaughtered? Because he wants glory. That's a fancy way of saying this. He's writing a story that he wants everybody to say, That's the best story in the world. You're the best author in the world. You are the only God. He's writing a story that's intentionally designed to draw you onto the edge of your seat. In the Garden of Eden, at any point in human history, could God have snapped his fingers and ended evil? Yes. 
But instead, he writes a story where it looks like he's going to lose and the bad guy is going to win. And then he becomes a human at the last moment to snatch victory out of the jaws of defeat. Now, what does this have to do with me and you? Remember what the text is about. Verse 5, have this mind amongst yourselves, which is already yours in Christ Jesus. There's two modes that we as human beings will frequently find ourselves in, two opposite modes. One is selfishness. Wanting people to do things for ourselves, even the people closest to us, especially the people closest to us. Wanting to be served. Wanting other people to make us happy. Wanting other people to do things for us. I want my friends to be funny and attractive and intelligent. I want to be served by people. I want you guys to do what makes me happy. Now, for me, the message of Philippians 2, 5-11 through 11 is this. Knock it off. You've been baptized into Jesus Christ. That is not the mind that God has given you. God has given you a mind. The mind that he's given this church is the mind of Jesus Christ, who, although he was in the form of God, didn't consider it something to be grasped, but allowed himself to become a slave so that God could exalt him and give him the name above every name and so that God could get glorified. That's what God is calling me and you to do. Not not, not as a good work, but because we've been connected already to Jesus Christ. This is the mind that he's already given us, the mind of humility and service. The other mode that we sometimes find ourselves in is the opposite mode, the mode of service, where you are serving other people, where you are giving yourself to support other people. And I know that that feels thankless. I know it feels, there's stuff that you do to keep little human beings alive. There's stuff that you do to support your friends that maybe even your friends don't even recognize. Little, little sacrifices, sometimes huge, big sacrifices that you make for your friends, for loved ones, maybe even for people you don't know. And the temptation for you is to think, this doesn't really matter. I mean, nobody pays attention to this. It doesn't matter. And the message for you is this. It matters on the largest, most cosmic scale. As somebody who believes in Jesus, God is using your service to your family, to your friends, especially to your church, to this community. He's using it in his name to bring glory to himself and to bring every creature who's ever existed, heaven, earth, under the earth, onto their knees to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen.